UFC Fight Night is in the book. Jacare is really good at jiu-jitsu, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Rafa Sparza. How was Vegas? Really good, man. Vegas was... Uh... Jesus, dude. There's so much that happened this weekend in Vegas. Or actually, I went middle of the week, so it's it's very strange. But I like it because it starts quiet, and then when all of the douchebag get there yeah. and you're leaving on a Saturday, you feel great. <laughs> that is funny. I guess I didn't think about the fact that you were leaving on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. Are. Get there middle of the week and then leave before all the douchebags are just taking over the town. Middle, pre-douchebag, great. <laughs> That's good dating advice, too, just in general, I think. So... What's going on out in Vegas? You and I were obviously <laughs> recording. Uh, we have a really fun interview coming up later. Yes. With Rafael Lovato Jr. We uh, interviewed that a little bit beforehand, obviously, because he has a crazy schedule and we are willing to accommodate his time because it's yep. an awesome interview. But you had something you wanted to share? I did. Um, I want to apologize to everybody who listens to the interview because – I don't mind you guys listening to maybe a little bit of vacuuming because if you know you're in a hotel, you hear in the background, right? Uh, you might hear, and and I mean ever so slightly. I haven't checked the tape yet. I'll know yeah. when you guys know. But if for some reason you hear continuous partying outside, it's because I stayed at the Monte Carlo. And at the Monte Carlo, they have a nonstop pool party going on. Music begins at 12 noon and does not end till 7 p.m. No way. Is yes. that, please, do they call it a nonstop party? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they call it. I just know to call it, oh, pool party started, and there is a DJ who's muffling under, I don't even know what the fuck he's saying, but people respond just with, woo, to whatever he's saying. <laughs> so half the time it's him saying, oh, everybody, I want you to get up, everybody. you get up, you gotta get up, oh, yeah, yeah, woo. So everybody is doing this. It's uh, a nonstop party over there at the Monte Carlo. Get over there now. Please but, Kev, uh, we went to investigate as good journalists should. Absolutely, to find out more. And luckily, I, I don't even know if people will hear it. I had Jonah Condenser. It was sure. a little noise leveling. Lovato has like a natural voice mm. quieting. So like when he starts talking, everyone else just gets <laughs> a little quieter. But the That's... reason I bring this up, Kev, is because uh, I didn't know this, but I became an official judge for a booty shaking contest. What, is that? what do you mean you didn't know? How well, does that happen? I didn't know I was walking into a booty shaking contest. Oh, okay. Uh, but I also should have gotten a clue when you're walking through the lazy river and there's every kind of human being in there. There's old people. There are cholos hanging with their highness, some of which they've only recently met. Uh, Haina means uh, girlfriend of cholo, Kevin, just for those who aren't in the know. Uh, They also had a lot of old women thinking that they were way younger than they really were. Oh. Now, Kev, I don't know what it's like to see a mom take care of a child in, like, her mid-40s. Put the child down because she needs to twerk. Ooh. So I found this out on the first pass of the Lazy River. On the second pass, I found out that, you know, the the thing that most people don't talk about with twerking is the stretching. Mm -hmm. Because afterwards, cut to that same mom now in the pool, stretching it out and be like, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I need to stretch out before I twerk. Try to get an ice bath so she can Mm -hmm. recover. 
Like, so hey. it gets really weird, but then you realize when there is a large booty shaking competition happening, and now there's a female uh, MC who's basically mama birding shots into everybody's mouth Ooh. via a large container of shots. Yes. Oh, why? Yep. Uh, because that's what's happening. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's summer at the nonstop Monte Carlo pool party. That's right. all you need to say. So cut to Kelly looking at me and saying, "Do we need to go back to the old people pool?" And I was like, "Absolutely." <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to do with this right now. I just get me to over to the fucking spa. And when I got to the spa, <laughs> and there's like forty-five-year-olds, sixty-year-olds, I go, "These are my people." Yeah, people that you have their guys, lives together. You, you guys. <laughs> 401ks, everybody? Talking about Kimmel versus Conan's monologue. <laughs> I'm a Letterman man, someone chimes in. Raph just grins. So it was uh, it was a strange time. But other than that, um, there was a lot of ridiculousness. I don't know how I can't write off trips to Vegas. I mean, I should. But for all of the writing that I do, because the, the place is so rich with characters. Yeah. That y- you sit there and you observe everything. And you hear things like, no, bitch, that's not a fucking shot, you slut. And you go, well, okay. You should know better, you slut, I guess. I don't know. This is really weird to hear out of context. <laughs> really weird to hear out of context. Yeah. So that was, that was only part of the Vegas experience. There's much yeah. more to talk about. There was, uh, that's a, a pool party nonsense. <laughs> I don't need to hear your... BS. It was a balmy 55 in Virginia. Um, what? Where you went and trained places, too. I did. Uh, I went to go train over at uh, Cobra Kai over in Vegas. And, uh, man, that uh, that's actually where I filmed uh, the uh, – Lovato had a seminar out there. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely – I remember. So it was really cool. Um, Simgo is their main instructor there. And got to watch him give uh, nice, nice instruction. The people there are so great. I loved rolling with all those people. And the hard part with Sim is he starts teaching. And it's really hard to explain to him right up top in a very short amount of words that I have jujitsu dyslexia. So in mid-roll, he sees, like, the move of the day happening to me. And he goes, no, Raph, it's the move of the day. And I go, I'm an idiot. I don't know what to do. And he's like, no, the move of the day is to get out of that. I said, ah, all right. Uh, so he had a good laugh about that. But all the people over there. And, I, you know, I got to roll with uh, Joaquin and – Phoenix? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, sorry. It, it, it was Vegas. It was, it was Vegas. A uh, guy named Junior who was uh, – I mean he's, he looks like he's ready to go destroy out this weekend uh, at Gracie Nationals. And another guy named Tank. Now, if you don't get a heads up when you're about to roll with somebody named Tank, I don't know what better clue there is. No, that's it. That's the nice. Mm-hmm. That's the nice, like, heads up. You won't enjoy what's about to happen. He's not and... named Prius for a reason. <laughs> named Tank. When Tank fucking just ran into me, I felt like I needed to report it to my insurance claims agency and get a license plate number and exchange information, but... It, it, it was it was a very impactful one. So my thanks to everybody, Simgo, uh, everybody over at Cobra Kai. That was a lot of fun. And then I also got to roll yesterday with our good friend, my BJJ podcast arch nemesis, Paul Moran. Hey, how was Paul? How is Paul's Paul? fine. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I hate Paul as a human being, yeah. as a podcaster. Yeah. 
as a jujitsu instructor, he's great. Fantastic. Oh, I believe it. But, you know, still a deplorable human being. But his technique's Obviously. great. Yeah. Has a teaching soul, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And everybody over at Sergio Pena is, is super great and super nice. But it was fun to just nerd out with Paul. And he would show something. And i go, oh, my God, that's so cool. It reminds me of this. And he's like, oh, my God, dude, that's like this. And I swear to God, I, I'm glad that for the most part, that early part was just me and him chatting because it was the nerdiest freak out of all things jiu-jitsu for about a good hour and a half. So – my thanks to him and everybody over at Sergio Pena's. They're kind of like a second home every time I go to Vegas. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. But, you know, what I did get to do in Vegas, I watch. stopped gambling to watch what? UFC fight night. You didn't do both and just gamble on the fights? Honestly, Kev, I, it's, it's hard to do both. Why didn't you call me? <laughs> I would have given you the for sure lines <laughs> you needed. Kev, I don't trust you for a lot of things, and gambling is, like, maybe number one on there. It's, like, top three, definitively. Yeah. Okay, so you stopped gambling, you trooper, mm -hmm. just to go watch the fights. Can you fill us in? I was in an open mic. I saw highlights. I saw some. It looked like it was a good night for our Ultimate Fighter contestants from yes. previous. But we got to start with the fights I did see. Jacare is on a tear right now. Looked Amazing again. What did you see from him that you loved? Uh, Jiu-jitsu is effective. And <laughs> on a grand scale, which is so great to people like you and me who are big believers of it. And we really want someone to carry that mantle of showing people now, like, hey, it works. It's really, really good. <laughs> and there was one thing I, I was trying to tweet. I couldn't even really tweet from Vegas, but I put out a couple just, you know, for funsies. But I had such jealousy of his transitions that I was in awe. Like, even, like, I'm not around people who were super excited by fights. They just know, like, he knocked him down. That's great. And I'm like, no, but there's a precision behind the way he's actually transitioning. Um, I'd really like to point it out. To yeah, whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. Yes, it was good transition. Yep, he knocked him down. Go boom. I got nervous. The only time I got nervous for Jacare is he kept lowering his hands. That was yeah, terrifying me. But I felt at a certain point he understood he w he had the like speed and distance. There was definitely, a, especially in that second round, when he felt way more confident in his ability to just do whatever the fuck he felt like, including one mean tight guillotine. It, you yes. know Jacare because Jacare is yeah. even careful. Obviously, when when it's there's no shirt or no rash guard or anything, really slippery to hold people. He seems to be really good about staying on someone's back. Mm. You knew that guillotine was in when he abandoned that and was like, "No, I'm going to finish this motherfucker." Did you see? The, I think it was the second round. I felt like every round had a submission that looked yikes. I think in the second round it was kind of a Kimura grip, and that fucker. Uh, you know, credit to Gegard because yeah, absolutely. I was actually impressed with Gegard in general, but yeah, that yeah. just that grip looked terrible. Which is why when you finally get to that third round and Jacare is going for that guillotine, I look to people and I go, I don't think people understand how tight that has to be. That <laughs> that fucker is just like poor. I mean, I felt bad for Gegard, and it's not a credit to say that Gegard is is. 
I guess, behind a step or anything, but it was just, it was a great night for Salza. Ugh. And the jiu-jitsu, like, he's, they're going to have to put him up against someone big. And obviously, Yegard, um, sweet and saucy Masasi, that's stuck in my head now. Now it's all stuck in my head, not just how to say Masasi. The whole phrase is stuck in my head, Rap. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but Gegard's also a pretty cool name. He's, they're going to have to find him someone big. If not, you know, is it maybe time to start talking Weidman? Might be. They say he needs a fight. You know, Dana, typical afterwards, like, I don't know, he could be. Which, I don't, what the fuck does could be mean? Could be is the best filler statement you can make. That means absolutely nothing. <laughs> hey, Dana, uh, are you hungry right now? Could be. Okay, just tell me if you're hungry, dude. I don't I don't really need to be dicked around. Yeah, I could be hungry or I could be angry. Sounds like you're angry, Dana. I don't stop being so fucking passive aggressive. Man. Wait, quit quit saying could because you said definitive. Right. I'm just Right. Let us know. Um <laughs> Overream gets overreamed. That's not good. As a pun or as a fight. It just it sounds like oh. a porn terminology. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, needlessly dirty, needlessly mm-hmm. dirty. Though it almost looked like a porn porn terminology. <laughs> <laughs> it looked uh, like a bad perm, is what you just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I have a master's degree in speech. <laughs> I don't know if you knew, but mm-hmm. I use words well. Mm-hmm. George Rockwell mm-hmm. beats Overeem via just some of the meanest punches. Did say, like, did you say George Rothwell? Ben Rothwell. There we go. I was. <laughs> God damn it. George Orwell came back from heavy opposition. Ben, obviously, you know, writer of 1984. Yep, of course. Uh, very important What do you think about that? Uh, I think Ben Rothwell is a scary motherfucker when he just starts swinging away. Alistair hasn't looked really great. Like, he's, you know, he's still kind of exactly what he is. This is what happens with big guys. People get knocked out when they start swinging the way these two fighters swing. Sure. Overeem will be fine. He'll get to keep fighting giants. And these fights are just <laughs> so goddamn much fun. From the minute they t- they get, like, and they're huge inside the cage as opposed to dwarfed by it. I love these yeah. fights. Yeah. You know. Did you want to take a moment to also acknowledge that this was Joe Lazan's 13th submission or fight of the night? bonus uh that he's gotten like I, 13 performance of the night 13 bonus. that took 13. me by who that's that actually sounds i guess that makes sense i do love watching him fight that's an insane amount which puts him ahead of anderson Silva now he is in a class of his own who's the standard for everything have you noticed that like whenever yeah. anyone breaks a record it's like and they're ahead of anderson Silva in that category it's like oh well, god that's <laughs> it's just weird because it was it was if you're thinking about it, it's done in a much more quieter fashion. Joel Lazan puts on great fights. And, uh, I mean, he's had to overcome a lot with his kid and, and that terrible circumstance that was happening. And he was saying how he wasn't sure if he was going to fight anymore. And the fight between uh, him and Chiza, Kaiza, Kilbasa, whatever the fuck, <laughs> however you say his name, uh, their fucking fight was was really good up until that that stoppage. And... As much as I'd like to say it'd be great to see the fight continue and go on, that cut was a little deep. Could you see part of his skull? Um, 
I don't know that you could see part of his skull. I don't really want to go back and look at it. Only because he's so hairy. <laughs> Maybe if he was... <laughs> It, it looked like he had a sex change operation on his face. Let's put it Ooh. that way. <laughs> uh, you know, just say In case former... he got over-reamed. Oh, there we go. All bags. I wish we had a noise that people would be I'm like so a chime. I'm so angry for doing that. But that I felt that you were mostly responsible for that. Um, so if I, you, you hear... brightened my day. Like, I laughed. I was... If you hear a break in my voice as you replay that joke, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> Uh, that's the grin. reason why. Uh, guess what, Rat? Uh, <laughs> all right, let me We're say professionals. This. We are super <laughs> We're doing professionals. great. Are we, are we putting this out on air? Probably. Oh, okay. uh, luckily, yeah. we have Lovato, so people are going to be like, oh, oh yeah. let's just get through this. These two jazz. Like, I was tuning in for fucking Rafael Lovato, and these They'll two idiots are talking. Um, <laughs> that will be done soon. So you know Chris Camozzi had a fight, right? Yes, I did. Do you know how he did? No. You don't know who? Uh, well, he he lost. I know he lost in a towel. I didn't. I it was a decision, so I didn't. Know Wait, how the fight what's went. hold on? What's in a towel? You're talking about Mitrione? He No, no, no. Chris Camozzi fought in a towel. What's his first name? Raphael. Oh, okay. Just wanted to make sure. Raphael Natel. and you yes. were watching. Yes. So that's are you taking credit? Is that what you're saying? Of course, of course. Okay. Why am I? <laughs> you won via decision. Was it? clear or did he just win because they were like eh. well they just right. saw the Raphael and they go I guess I'm just going for this so whatever that. Uh, that was the split the purse. Uh, Chris Beal also won but it was a good night there Kev the one thing I, I do want to stress this people you are ahead of the curve right now you have seen footage of a certain Bellator fight and how it broke out when it was really just a fight announcement Kev <clears throat> has not. Uh-uh. So for I your enjoyment, I am now giving Kevin the link, and he's going to watch it live with us. Now, I know wow. you may ask yourself, Raph, why are we doing this? Well, folks, it was that necessary that Kevin see it. So I've queued it up, and I'm going to walk you guys through it. Kevin, why don't you go ahead and call it up, and I'll, I'll kind of give people the backdrop in case they haven't seen it themselves. Absolutely. It's just... Uh... <clears throat> You know, I don't know that a lot of people are super excited about uh, Stefan Bonner fighting Tito Ortiz because it's, it's ten years past when I guess any of it would have been relevant, or people haven't woken up from preface. comas because it's been ten years. Okay, it's starting. Are you ready? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, go ahead and do it. Looks like Joe Rogan is between them. It's fake Joe Rogan. Yes, fake that Joe is Rogan. Number one, and just for those who say that Bellator, you know, copies the UFC. Case in point, number one, you have to have a bald guy interview. Uh, so Stefan Bonner walks out in what looks like a nice uh, jacket from a JCPenney. Uh, very, very nicely put out there. It's probably all that Bellator could afford, or maybe he just Who's didn't care for all that much. terrorist-looking dude next to him? What's that about? What, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the guy with his face covered. Oh. Well, that's, that's the mystery. They're going to unveil that. Uh, so what Kevin is alluding to right now is the fact that there's a dude who has a kind of a skin cap, kind of a thing over his head, like a hood, making him look like Dr. Doom. Tito's or also he's... doing that like uh, chicken dance practice, it looks mm-hmm. like. He's got like a beak thing going. Yes. Very observant, Kevin. 
Now, okay. Stefan Bonner proceeds to cut a promo, I think, or he thinks. Meanwhile, Tito's really uncomfortable. He has no idea what's happening here. Now, Kev, what, what's going through your head as you watch a mask? Who's that guy? Who's the mask is off, and I still don't know who that is. That is Justin McCauley? One of those. <laughs> he is a former uh, coach training partner with Tito Ortiz. So here's the best part about it is, is that <laughs> is this a real thing? This is absolutely real, Kevin. <laughs> this isn't like a terrible Halloween joke. No, 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 no. This is. Oh. Real. <laughs> <laughs> so the beautiful part is Kevin is now experiencing all what we all experienced that one part, which was observing the confusion in Tito Ortiz's face, which. I got news for these guys. You didn't have to bring out a masked human being slash training partner to make Tito confused. <laughs> Just let the press at him for three and a half minutes. You'll sure. find your – this is ridiculous. What's with the stupid fake fight? Like Stefan Bonner. What is going on with Stefan Bonner? So <sighs> what you may be uh, noticing here is there is a staged well let's put it this way staged uh, yes bonner came out as saying the following he said yes the stunt was staged yeah yeah however uh tito's reaction was not and that tito was using his real pushing and that that part was not scripted well that would explain why no one was finished in the fight it looks like someone grabs Stefan Bonner and they run backward like a choreographed march. This is the stupidest thing. Bellator, come on, don't do this. I just want to root for them. They just uh, signed Joe. They've got some Kansas guys fighting. Like, don't do this to me. What is this? But Kevin, Are they trying do you to compete for that was Monday nights? The like, best episode of Monday Night Raw you've seen in some time. No, that is. That's my favorite episode I've ever seen of Monday Night Raw, like professional wrestling. Just oh, I'm sorry. That, that's, a, that's too much of a credit. Let's say TNA wrestling. Let's, let's go there. Uh, Kev, the hard part about this is, do you recall that Dana White gave Stefan Bonner permission to go to Bellator? I do recall that. He seemed, yeah, he was very clear that Stefan could go. What if I were to throw this following theory out at you? What if this is Dana's way of trolling the, the entire organization and that the real permission granted was to bring down the organization from the inside. You are saying he sent this in? He either knew about it and was like, yeah, you should go do that. Or he's using Stefan Bonner? Like Stefan's an inside mole? I'm just saying. Ooh. I'm not saying. Um, You've definitely gotten my wheels turning in a way that finally makes sense after that four and a half minute clip of <laughs> Tito. So, I mean, the thing is, and this is why we actually had to take the time on the podcast to address this. How do we as MMA fans address this to future generations? We, I say we forget it and act like it didn't happen. You can't forget it. It no, happened. No, come on. We can, we can How just... many views have been 225,000, give or take, but that That's doesn't sound like. That's more people than watched Bellator, <laughs> period, this weekend. That's okay. That's a fair point. So the and YouTube clip is What are the up down great. votes on this, Kevin? Um. Well, the only one that matters is my down vote. One hundred sixty-three oh, up to two hundred sixty-one down. <laughs> I, I can't believe you actually downvoted that, Kevin. I want to make a stance. I want them to know I don't appreciate <laughs> this business.
Kevin, how do you feel after seeing that now? Like, where where are you mentally? I'm not in a good place because it makes me fucking nervous. You know what I liked about what recently Jose Aldo said? Jose Aldo was upset about his opponent trying to push him. And he was like, this is John Jones and Daniel Cormier, a little bit their fault. We are fucking professionals. Like, we are professional world-class athletes. You don't do that. That's not how you act. We get locked in a cage for a reason, not so you can see this bullshit. I'm paraphrasing now, but... Sure. I agree with him entirely, and I don't like this. Like, get the fuck out of the octagon, Stefan Bonner. Are you making enough money to be making a fool out of yourself? Like, get the. What are, you, are you even fighting somewhere? I don't understand it. Tito, I know you got a lot of bills to pay, I assume, based off of all of the exes and kids, but maybe let's just like work on becoming a personal trainer or something. Like, this is. I don't like it. Do you feel embarrassed for the sport? I feel embarrassed for Bellator. There we I don't go. really. I don't think MMA is gonna suffer at all because people that like MMA are like, well, that get them the fuck out of the cage. No one cares. And the the real, I guess, downturn is it was smart of Bellator to go once a month. Scott Corker now this is like one of the first things he's doing in the organization. So we're in the Scott Corker era, and now we've got this weird shit that happened. And as the resident pro wrestling fan, this should appeal to me on some level. But it's now reached that so bad it's bad category that you you just shake your head and you wonder who are the line of people who approve this? <laughs> uh, well, obviously not Joe Rogan was a part of it. He was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever – I want to know specifically like someone's idea was to put the mask on someone. Yeah. It was like he looks like a member of – of the Taliban. Like, just so you know, like he looks like every awful video. Like don't have someone sitting there in a masked. Like, it's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. I feel we've, we've talked about it. We've put it out there. Uh, if you guys want something comparable as to so bad, it's bad. And you want <laughs> in a pro wrestling term, I would invite you guys to look up the debut of the Shockmaster on uh, WCW. It's very similar. It is strikingly, as bad as that. And so I hope future generations learn from this and uh, don't bring up masked Dr. Dooms to the stage <laughs> or the cage with them. I think we it's a learning experience, I think. I love that your encyclopedic knowledge also somehow categorizes wrestling promos. So you seem like you have a very finite knowledge of all of them and their categories. Go see the 1993 WCW pre-footage if you really <laughs> want to see how someone is anyway not the yes not the point but it, it's just it's important as a reference kevin because it is widely regarded as one of the worst things of all time and it just hurts my heart when <laughs> mma gets those things when you don't have the ability to say hey guys i mean it's fake so <laughs> like we have no way of getting out of it it just happened and you look at it and you go <sighs> Okay. Uh, it's Bell- it's Tito Ortiz and Stefan Potter, right? Nice vest, no. Tito. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he got him. He's like, I've got a prom after this. Shut up. <laughs> our jacket's in back. Are you ready to bring our shenanigans to a halt and talk to you, Rafael Lovato Jr. about his transition to the MMA cage? You know, after that clip, we need a we need all the help we can get. So yeah, let's so bring on. Let's bring on Rafael Lovato Jr. on the podcast.
Friday, September 26th, Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Rafael Lovato Jr. taking his unprecedented jiu-jitsu talents into the cage. Rafael, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Just a typical day of training camp, you know, sore, tired, and hungry. What does that mean for you, a typical day of training camp? Because you run a school, you're an amazing instructor in terms of both in the location and you have a very large online presence. Um, What's your typical fight camp right now? Are you just focused on the MMA fight? Are you still doing everything else? What's your breakdown? Um, Man, my my day is just so so filled with with stuff going on. Um, You know, like throughout the week I'm doing everything from, you know, obviously – I'm, I'm, you know, training Muay Thai, wrestling, my grappling, uh, have sparring, you know, I'm, I'm still teaching my gi classes and no gi classes. Nice. Um, and I've been training in the gi, not, not very much, but probably like two times a week, uh, still just kind of for fun, um, to do something that, you know, brings me happiness instead of just grueling hard training. And, um, and then I have my recovery times where I'm, you know, have a like a yoga session or ice bath, sauna, that sort of stuff going on. Uh, every day is just jam-packed with sessions, you know, um, dedicated to whatever it is uh, the focus is that day. Um, so I'm doing anywhere from two to three sessions a day, plus, you know, I'm still teaching my classes, private lessons, doing stuff online. Um, I, I have a few more uh, things I need to do, and then my last couple weeks of training camp, I won't be... Um, doing any other side jobs, I'll just be totally focused on relaxing and uh, and you know doing my final preparations for my fight. So I won't be teaching as much either. Um, you know, have to- we only kind of believe you, just so you know. <laughs> Knowing your uh, track record, all of a sudden he's going to pick up like a woodworking hobby halfway yeah, yeah. through, open now- build a jujitsu canoe. Russell, I got to ask this because you said you're doing gigs. You know, for funsies. Yeah, to relax. But um, <laughs> can I ask, like, how hard is it to put down the gi for you? Um, you know, like, I wouldn't say I really put it down, you know, like, um, it's just not my focus. You know, just the same as, you know, because this time of year is is what, you know, people would consider no gi season. Uh, you know, like this yeah. time last year for ADCC, I was doing primarily no gi for you know, like two months, you know, uh, to get ready for ADCC. And, uh, and so even then it's very similar to how I am now, you know, it's still kind of training the gi for fun here and there, but it wasn't my focus. Um, so, you know, but now like, uh, no gi isn't even as fun as what it normally is because now, you know, I'm not, I'm just, doing you know like grappling uh, i'm not doing shishitsu no key necessarily i'm just doing like you know uh the, the things i'm going to be working for mma you know so like for my guard for example i'm not really doing any sweeps right now you know i'm just either mm-hmm. attacking submissions or i'm kicking and getting back up to my feet you know right. um so you know i, I just uh i'm simplifying um a lot of my shishitsu and it's just revolving uh, mostly around submissions and positional dominance, and I'm not do, doing all the tricky stuff. Um, yeah. So to put up, to put on the gi once or twice a week, has been really good. I actually I actually feel like I've gotten better in the gi, um, 
Hmm. You know, because you, you get to train for fun, and you know, I've been exploring some of the positions on the nights where I have been training in the key, and uh, and doing some things outside of my game just for fun. You know, and mm-hmm. and whenever you train and you don't have any pressure of a competition or fighting this guy or that guy going on, a lot yeah. of times you you can explore some new things and and you know make some some bigger improvements. So, um, you know, I, I it, it's been tough like looking at maybe some of the tournaments going on, like watching Metamoris and some other things. And like, I, I'm certainly excited to compete in Shih again after my fight. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm enjoying my camp. Uh, don't get me wrong. As grueling as it is, it's also been uh, a very great learning experience. I've, I've been very motivated. I don't think I've, uh, you know, last year for ADCC, I, I trained really hard. I wouldn't say I didn't. I haven't trained this hard in a long time. I don't want to say it that way, but I'm exploring other areas of my athletic abilities, you know, training as much mm-hmm. Muay Thai. That's, you know, changing the way I move, my explosiveness, my wrestling, uh, my strength and conditioning routine has been a little different. And, you know, so I'm having fun learning new things about my body and how I can move and, and you know, my jiu-jitsu has changed a little bit. And, you know, it's all good. It's all just just learning and in the challenge. So I, I, I mean, I the fun part for me is I, I'm so curious to know, and obviously you're a professional at this, so you can drop this. But for me, I guess there's just a wonder if you ever try and reach for a cross collar without the use of the gear, you're just like, Oh man, I miss that. Oh no, no. I mean, I, I have so much, you know, no key experience, you know, um, you know, like, I feel like I'm kind of, I have the perfect game, the perfect style for transferring yeah. my jiu-jitsu into MMA. So, I'm, I, everything is, 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 uh, is, you know, everything's falling into place just right. I'll, just, I'll say it like that. I'm actually um, curious, because you're kind of getting back to your roots. When you, when you drift more towards the MMA, you started out as, as doing more striking in your martial arts training. Did you always have in mind as you were shaping your jiu-jitsu game, which is you're just a notoriously top, no one wants Rafael Lovato in their side control. It's a dangerous place to be. That's that's law of jiu-jitsu. Were you always keeping an MMA mind when you were forming your jiu-jitsu game, or did it just sort of happen organically? Um, You know, it, yeah, like I, I, I'll say that it really you know, came down to, to how my father, uh, what his beliefs were, how he, you know, uh, trained and developed me as a martial artist, you know, um, you know, obviously I started in, in more of the stand-up arts, um, when I was younger and, uh, and, you know, when we started to learn about jiu-jitsu and, you know, actually we, we, we knew about some ground fighting, um, before, uh, he found actual, you know, jiu-jitsu, which, you know, his first experience with jiu-jitsu was from the Gracies and, um, and, you know, so we always kind of knew that, that, you know, he, he, he coming from the JKD background, he always, um, had the mindset of being a complete martial arts and we understood there was ranges, you know, and, uh, and we, you know, we had weapon range into, you know, kicking range into punching range into clinching range and, uh, all the way into a grappling range. And, um, and so, you know, we knew about the, the, the importance of ground fighting um, early on, it just wasn't very technical. And um, and as our jiu-jitsu, 
you know, knowledge uh, expanded and he was learning so much more, um, you know, you have to remember at that time, we're talking mid-90s, you know, early to mid-90s that, you know, there there was no, okay, we got to learn to, to go win these tournaments, you know what I mean? Yeah. That that didn't exist, you know, we have to do learn these moves. Purple belts to, didn't exist. Like yeah, they were so yeah. hard to find. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, the thought of having a tournament game or you know ways to score points and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Was yeah. was never a part of our conversation of learning shujitsu. That never, as far as my first experiences and his first experiences of learning shujitsu, and uh, and so and then the UFC came up came out and um, and you know and and so like. It was like, okay, Jiu-Jitsu for that, you know, for a real-life fighting scenario. That's why Jiu-Jitsu was the best, you know. That, that's what Hoist Gracie, you know, proved to us then and to the world. And um, and so that was always the mindset, you know. And, um, and, you know, so growing up as a kid, you know, my father, he was like, all my students, you know, all his students, he wanted – to be well-rounded martial artists. So as, you know, we started teaching more jiu-jitsu, we never went away from the striking. We never went away from um, people being able to put on little gloves and defend themselves. You know, uh, for yeah. many, many years, part of your test for blue belt at our school included a basic set of Muay Thai skills that you had to show us, along with jiu-jitsu sparring with the gi, and then after that, you would put on the little gloves and you would spar a good solid like five or six rounds with all the advanced guys, like Valley Tudo is what we called it then, and uh, and it was Valley Tudo sparring or MMA sparring, and so you couldn't even get a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, you know, a blue belt with your gi jiu-jitsu, you couldn't get a blue belt in jiu-jitsu without being a pretty decent little... MMA fighter, actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at, at our school. And uh, and that's how I grew up, you know. So I was putting on little gloves and sparring with grown men, you know, whenever I was 14, 15, all the way through until I was about 18 years old. And then I really started to focus on jiu-jitsu full-time. And, um, and so, you know, that was his mindset, like it's to, to be able to defend yourself in the real scenario. And the first jiu-jitsu tournaments I ever did – you know, like he held he held those tournaments, and I was playing them in Oklahoma locally as a kid. We didn't have a time limit. You know, whenever we trained, we never had a time limit. It was always about just getting the submission, and you know, there was no points. There's none of that stuff really existed. So, um, so yeah, it, it's been it's been interesting. You know, uh, kind of getting back into that mindset and, and, you know, obviously I've still done Muay Thai and I've still done some MMA sparring with my guys before I've had, you know, trained different fighters over the years and stuff like that. Um, and so I never really fully went away from it, but now I'm just kind of re-exploring it all over again and, and, uh, you know, finding different aspects of myself that I haven't, you know, I haven't uh, brought out in a long time. And, uh, it's been, it's been fun. Tell us about, I guess, uh, you know, it seems like so much of it is, is really a stars aligning, if you would, that both you and the Raider are fighting on this card and also kind of in a place conducive to people who like you guys to come see you guys fight. 
yeah, Tulsa, yeah. I mean, that's about an hour and a half away from, from where we live. So for you, like, what is that experience like in training with him for and, you know, also probably going into that as kind of a hometown favorite? Um, you know, it's it's going to be awesome. Um, you know, there's there's a little bit of some pros and cons to it. You know, uh, the one probably the biggest thing that is you know going to be hard is the fact that I'm not going to be able to be in his corner. Um, you know, uh, we, you know, I'm going to have to focus on my own fight. So, um, but. Uh, but, you know, we, we've had so many great moments over the years competing together. You know, it's my first black belt, and, you know, we've won um, several big titles uh, together on the same day. And, um, and you know, that's my, that's my little brother, you know. We've been, we've been doing this for so long together, traveling the world competing. So um, now we're just in another phase. And, uh, and, you know, like I said, like, it's tough that I can't really give him all my energy, you know what I mean? I want to... Um, you know, be in this corner and everything, and I won't be able to do that. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, we're we're both um, exchanging good energy with each other every day. We're both in camp together, and and you know, we're both gonna gonna go out there and and show our skills. And uh, I believe it's gonna be a great night, and it's gonna be something special that we get to share together. Um, you know, so in uh, that part, it's gonna be really really cool. Now, <clears throat> tell us a little bit, like, who are, who are you bringing in for this camp? Like, who have you been training with? Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what they've kind of been working with with you. Yeah, well, uh, really, to, to, to up to now, um, the majority of my training I have just done with my students. Um, you know, I have I have some some really good uh, purple belts. Um, well, you know, Dop is actually a brown belt now. I just recently promoted him. Um, but uh, Dop actually has some striking experience. He's actually had a couple of Muay Thai fights and even even a, a couple of MMA fights um, back before he trained with me a long time ago. And, uh, and you know, we have Muay Thai at my school. We always have. And I've been bringing out Muay Thai instructors for several years. Um, and now I have a really great Muay Thai instructor here at my school full-time. That's crew Mark Beecher. Um, he's been here all year. So, you know, a lot of my best jiu-jitsu guys are also really good at stand-up um, as far as people on my team. Um, you know, so some of my better uh, purple and, you know, brown belts um, have, have quite a bit of, you know, stand-up training over the years um, because we've always offered Muay Thai at, at my school. So, uh, you know, right now they've been great training partners for me, um, you know, and I have, I have crew Mark Beecher, um, training me every day. So, uh, my Muay Thai has gotten way, way sharper. Um, and there's been a, a couple of experiences I've had with other people when I was out in San Diego, um, helping Saul prepare for Metamoris. I did a little training out there, um, with a great stand-up coach and my good friend, Jake Meeps, and, um, and, you know, I had a, uh, a buddy of mine who's, who has a lot of Muay Thai fights. He was just here last weekend. I just was sparring with him. And, and then actually coming in tonight, uh, Tim Crater, who's, a, who's another oh, buddy no. of mine. Yeah, Absolutely. you guys know he fought in the UFC. He's bringing a van full of like eight guys. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and he's, he's, he's got uh, half of them are Raider size, half of them are my size, and they're spending the weekend out here for training. 
Um, and then, you know, uh, James Popolo was coming out. Now he's not yeah. going awesome. to be doing MMA with me, but, you know, he's going to be another partner for, for my grappling training, um, my, my, my wrestling training. And, uh, and then my last week um, uh, of my camp, Jake Mapes, um, who's really kind of an undercover guy, like under the radar. A lot of people don't know who he is, but he's a great black belt. And, uh, and he was kind of a, an up-and-coming guy in the MMA world. Um, but he had a family and has kind of been focusing on that. But uh, he really focused on MMA for like a solid five years, and he was a part of a lot of big names, um, part of their camps and training with a lot of big names, and he has a lot of experience. He's really tough. Um, and uh, and so he's he's one of the top guys that I wanted to bring out and kind of um, help me to my final bit of preparation. So everything is perfect. You know, like I said, this is all coming very natural to me. I was doing it all when I was – you know, a kid growing up. So now I'm just finding my game and, and, uh, I'm getting pushed just right, you know, and, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel the need to go to any big camp or anything. I'm kind of doing it all in house with the people I know and trust and, and, uh, and everything's working, working perfectly. Well, it sounds like you've got a nice murderer's row of friends coming in to, <laughs> to help you get ready for it. Like that's, that's an awesome lineup that you got coming in. Yeah, yeah, I, I I know I'm going to be ready for anything. So, Oklahoma is a dangerous place to be, at least for the next week. I love that he's just bringing a van filled with fighters to come as far. <laughs> uh, you're fighting first on the main card, which is fantastic. That's also actually really... actually it's the other way. Raider Raider will be first. That's why I'm going to be oh, okay. after. I'm going to be after him. Oh, okay. So, oh, that's awesome. They haven't updated the FC website. Oh, good. I, Raider's a fun MMA fighter to watch, too. If you um, So back-to-back back with the OKC guys. What's your game plan? I watched um, Kanan Grigsby, your opponent. Uh, I watched his last two fights. He's kind of pretty steady that he's a boxer with a jiu-jitsu background, though I haven't seen much of the jiu-jitsu examples. What's your game plan? Because you're obviously known for being this top-level, um, America's baddest jiu-jitsu guy. What's the the balance as you approach this new fight realm? Um, well, you know, the, the the nice thing is I'm going to have a lot of element of surprise. You know, no one's going to really know what to expect out of me. No one can watch tape of MMA fights I've had or, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, obviously it's not a big secret. I'm going to want to get it to the ground, you know. Uh, that's, you know, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go out there and, and do anything stupid, you know, for the first, especially for the first fight. So, um, how I get it to the ground and the process that, 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 you know, happens before that is, is going to be, um, where I can, you know, have some surprises, but, um, but you know, the, the guy, he's, he's, uh, got quite a bit of experience. Um, you know, he, he's got some really heavy hands for sure. He's a dangerous fighter. Um, you know, I'm definitely not fighting. I'm not taking any, like, just some scrub, you know, to, to get a win in my first fight. You know, he's he's a dangerous fighter. He's knocked out a lot of guys. And uh, I'm going to have to be careful, for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like with someone with my background, you know, uh, the game plan to face someone like me is always going to be the same. So I pretty much know what to expect. You know, the person Stay the fuck yeah. away from you on the ground. Is what I would imagine. Yeah, yeah more <laughs> they have written on their wall. They're they're probably just going to focus on their hands and uh, keeping, 
you know, keeping themselves ready to avoid the takedown and, and um, you know, pretty much sprawl and brawl, I'm sure, is what he's what he's thinking. So It's actually um, interesting even to hear, this is how you know you, you've got the maturity of a really experienced fighter. Anyone in the tough house that's ever has a specialty of jiu-jitsu, they're always like, I want to put my striking on display. I want to prove I'm well-rounded. And you just call, you're just like, oh, I want to take his back. I just want to choke that motherfucker out. So I like that a lot better. I actually think that's a, a good sign. Yeah. Element, element of surprise-wise, do you feel like it's really nerve-wracking for your opponent to have someone like you? Because it would be terrifying whenever you have a fighter that's great at something. Um, it was really great for Damian Maya. That's how he succeeded for so long. People would almost make huge mistakes trying to keep from getting on the ground with him. Mm-hmm. Are you factoring that into your game plan that you do have this really le- lethal reputation on the ground? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, like I said, I feel like people fighting someone like me or someone like Raider, they're going to be limited, you know, because they're going to have to be constantly worried about getting taken down and, um, you know, so they can't really just come after you because it can make the takedown easier. You know, maybe they have, they really like to throw kicks, but now they don't want to throw kicks because they're scared of getting taken down, something like that, you know, whereas on our end, we can throw kicks. Who's going to catch my kick and want to take me down, you know, Um, you know, and, and, uh, and I can go forward because I don't have to, you know, if, if someone came after me and took me down, because I was going forward and they just took me down, you know, it might surprise me a little bit, but they're just going to be going, going into my world, you know, that's where I want to be anyways on the ground. So, or just in a clinch in in a, in a, in a close range. Absolutely. So, you know, um, like I said, I feel like I have the opportunity to open up a lot more than most people fighting me would, would feel, you know, they would be much more limited. So, uh, I want to use that to my advantage, but, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to go out there and try to get a big knockout for everybody right off the bat, you know. But I am I am 100% ready to use my strikes to help get this fight to the ground. And I do want to say this, because when I was interviewing uh, Shanji, and I asked about, you know, you, you fighting in MMA, uh, he very nicely put this out there. He was just like, you know, I wouldn't sleep on, on his hands. He's very good hands. He's very, you know what? And I was sitting there, and he he explained that your your reach and and your striking ability was was very similar to that of uh, Anderson Silva. And if there are any kind of people to be put in that same category with, uh, I thought it was really cool that uh, he was telling us that because, as you mentioned, it is an element of surprise, but it isn't in a sense that we know you guys. Your camp is aggressive. We know that you guys aren't the people who necessarily just pull guard, like. Raiders wrestling is, is out of control. And, uh, you know, that's what I think makes this fight so exciting for, for us as fans. Yeah. Yeah, you know, or, uh, you know, but to be honest, like, I'm, I'm still a white belt, you know. I'm still a white belt, but, but mm. I am confident, and I'm training, I'm training with, uh, with great people. I have great coaches, and, uh, you know, um, hopefully after September 26th, Maybe you could consider me a blue belt in MMA. <laughs> well, we will we will be waiting with bated breath yeah. to see if we can award you a blue belt that Kevin and I are in no circumstance or reason able to give out. <laughs> but uh, on a scale of one to ten, just curious, what do you think about the Sanji impression? 
Uh, not bad. You got the high pitch. You maybe need to get the accent a little more. But uh... <laughs> right, well, here's the thing. I feel that if you go too far with the accent, that's when people who do jujitsu will break your arms. So <laughs> high pitch. You know, I, I, I'm so fascinated by his high pitch. It's just like, you know, I, I watched him do a seminar and you do a seminar. It's very similar in certain respects. But watching him do it when somebody didn't get a move right, it just he instantly would go to a higher pitch and be like. Oh, come on. No, you're not supposed to go there. You're supposed to back around. Go back around. No, it's fine. So, I yeah, Sean, like... Sean, he's, he's hilarious, and I'm really happy uh, both he and Saul will uh, be present f- for my fight. fight oh. Be in my corner. oh, they're coming in? That's awesome. Yes. That's well, fantastic. Yeah, it's do always... Do a favor and don't mention that I have him because now that <laughs> I know that, he's way more dangerous for me. Uh <laughs> You know, to maybe uh, change the subject a little bit, you mentioned watching Metamorphs. Uh, you know, what were your thoughts of uh, the most recent Metamorphs? I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good one. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty entertaining all the way through. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to, I guess probably the, the, the biggest shock of the evening, I guess, was Josh Barnett. Um, yeah. What a what a bomb monster! <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> out there that's his, a big his, dude. His, his little shorts and freaking huge <laughs> body, <laughs> but putting it all over you, sweating all over you, Ugh. like you know. I mean, he he's he's good, man. He's good. I think I think uh, you know Dean was just so set in, in looking for the half guard. You know that's Dean's game and. Mm-hmm. And but you know Josh is just so big and it was kind of like, you know, it was a good matchup for Josh too in a way. You know, as dangerous as Dean is, um, you know, like he's most dangerous with the leg locks, which Josh is very familiar with, and sure. he sets it up mostly, you know, from half guard getting underneath. And Josh is just so big and heavy, and oh. you know, or Dean sets it up, you know, while passing which he would have to get on top and which was going to be very, very tough to do. So it just, it worked out good. I think it was a good matchup for Josh as dangerous as Dean is. Um, but the, the, the tap was very unexpected. Um, but man, when you got a guy that size, you know, squeezing your head in the right spot and it's been doing right. it forever. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's a choke and it's, it's painful. So, um, but that that was pretty crazy, and I thought all the other matches were good. You know, Saul was a part of his camp and uh, helped him get ready for his last week of training for the fight. And um, I know he's, you know, he really may not be quite so happy with his performance. Uh, he, you know, he had a couple opportunities that he missed, but I still thought he, that he fought very well. And I actually thought Comprito fought very well um, as well. I mean, they both had great exchanges and, and were doing great stuff. And, um, you know, it was just really cool to see two, you know, uh, you know, top, top guys from, you know, of all time, uh, putting on a good show like that in the gi. Um, so, you know, and, I, and I'm anxious for the next one. Uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, I think there's a good chance, you know, someone from team of is going to be in the next one. Um, oh. and, uh, and I'm not going to say who yet, but, uh, but, you know, well, we'll, we'll see how, how it comes about. 
with the secret match, we're very, very skeptical of, of secrets right now. So we believe you. Yeah. <laughs> we're just not going to keep going into secrets because if we, we go in that route, I feel we're, we're only setting ourselves up for something that will be like, Jeff Glover, he was already there. He was uh, announcing. That wasn't a the secret. One thing, <laughs> the one thing I did want to ask you is, um, well, I, I guess I have two here. The first is this. Did you feel that there was a missingness of, of Guy there? Did you miss seeing Guy at all? Or were you okay seeing five matches be no Guy for Metamorphs? Um, You know, I think it's good. I mean, you know, like, uh, I, I love it all. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. sure, maybe a, another one or two Guy matches would have been cool. Um, You know, maybe they could even expand the card to, like, you know, eight matches or something sometime. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think Noki is good as long as it's like exciting matchups, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Like like, like Keenan and Vinny was a great match. Great match. You know, Galvao and Sonnen might not have had that much action until the, until the end, but still, you know, it's just interesting. You're intrigued by it. And having someone like Sonnen, you know, with uh, the, the the popularity that he has, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's good. It's good to to bring the media and get, you know, more more of that uh, uh, interest in in what's going to happen. And so I'm I'm okay with that too, you know. And, and MMA guys aren't going to really put the gear on, you know. The, yeah. There might only be one or two guys in the in the world that would be comfortable doing that. That top MMA guys fighting in the gi. Uh, well, I so, guess you could probably say that, uh, you know. We were the only people interested in seeing Sonnen fight. I think the Nevada State Athletic Commission was also very interested, which I guess brings me to my second point, which was, did you feel your phone get warm when he was called out? <laughs> I mean, I know you, you had an MMA fight you were obviously trading for, but did, did you just feel it get a little, a little red hot where people were like, hey, I know the bottom's got a thing, but you, is he cool? Did you step in? <laughs> Yeah, you know, that would have been awesome. I mean, me, Galvao and I had just fought each other at the, the previous event. But Great match, we've, we, we've never we've never had a no-gi match before. Um, you know, we've we faced each other a few times in the gi. Really? And, uh, and they've always been, been pretty good matches. And I think a no-gi match with Galvao would be awesome. And I would totally love to do that sometime, you know, uh, if, if that ever comes You hear out. that, Holly? Holly, did yeah, you hear that? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, we would all like that. <laughs> but, you know, Kevin and I will only take a little bit of the purse for setting up that fight. It's okay. No big yeah. deal. 5%. <laughs> and you leaked something on Facebook that made my jujitsu nerdiness peak. It was uh, potentially about fighting Cyborg. Um, you were just throwing out ideas or someone threw your name out. It was one of the two, but I was immediately just like, absolutely. Let's get that. How do we get that inked? How do we get that booked in on the, where can I send my money? How can we make that work? (laughs) Yeah, I I think, I think that'd be a great match too. You know, I mean, I I think there's a lot of great matches out there, but, uh, cyborg, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of his and, uh, I felt really bad for him at that last, uh, well, not the last, but the metamorphs he was in and, 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 he had to go against Schaub, and it was just, you know, uh, you know, you know how that was. So I would love Treat. to, uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, give him a great fight, you know, that he deserves. And uh, and you know, he's another guy I've only faced in the gi, and uh, you know, I think we we would have a great no gi match as well. Um, very aggressive and lots of action. I could totally see it being 
you know, something that uh, fans would really love to watch. So, um, you know, I'm up for whatever, man. You know, like, you know, uh, Metabolis is, is the premier show, and uh, and they're doing an awesome job. I'm really happy to, to see something like that, you know, going on for for our sport. And uh, anytime they give me a call and let me, you know, let me have a chance to be on the card, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. Absolutely. We, uh, we like you on there. Cause one thing Lovato does not let the action slide. You don't enjoy taking breaks. Um, I have a question that you've always been someone that talks a lot about the mental preparation that goes into preparing. Is it rejuvenating for you now that you're, cause you've been competing in grappling and jujitsu for, I guess it's forever. It feels like, um, so, you know, you maybe don't get that, that newness. Is it invigorating or almost youthful in a way to be preparing for something you haven't done before? Yes, 100%. Um, and that's, that's really a big part of why I'm doing this right now. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of like what really spawned everything. You know, obviously my training as a, as a kid growing up and everything, I always thought, I always planned on one day, you know, fighting in MMA. And when I was first watching the UFC, you know, when I was younger, you know, I, I had dreams of fighting in the UFC. I thought, yeah, that's going to be me one day. I want to be, you know, uh, a complete martial artist, you know. Who else grows up, you know, training Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, you know what I mean? I mean, nowadays, that's that's a lot different. But in my time, it was very rare. And... Uh, and so I thought, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's, that's going to be me. But, um, you know, uh, as I got older, um, you know, I had my, my goal set for jiu-jitsu and obviously the number one goal was to become a black belt world champion. And, and I was able to achieve that, you know, like several years ago, seven years ago. Um, and, uh, and, you know, a lot of people would have went right to the May then, but I, I, I wanted to do more than that. Like, you know, BJ, he won, and then he went straight to MMA. And there really hadn't been an American, like, or a non-Brazilian just being at the top for, you know, for a while. And I still had a lot of goals, and I still didn't feel like I was that good. Like, even when I won the Worlds as a black belt, I still felt like I had so much room to improve and so much more to show. And uh, and And I was still very much you know, hungry and motivated for jiu-jitsu. So um, then I just, I really wanted to become one of the best of my generation. That was my goal. I wanted to, you know, to have people consider me, you know, just one of the best of my, of my era, not just that year, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I stayed in jiu-jitsu and, and, uh, and, you know, I've had some more great moments um, uh, over the last, you know, several years. And, and uh, I thought, about fighting um, a few other times, um, but uh, you know, just different things happen in life. Uh, you know, um, I, I took over my father's academy in 2010 um, after after he had a heart attack in 2009, and uh, and so you know, it happened a little sooner than expected. Um, and but I, I needed to step up and, and do what I had to do, and so I took over the school and. So then I had, you know, more responsibilities and I had the business in mind. And, and um, you know, one thing that I've always been chasing after was also an ADCC title. So 
Um, you know, that is always the second half of the year, kind of the main focus on those ADCC years, which is every other year. So, um, you know, in 2010 would have been an opportunity, but I took over the school and it just, it wasn't the right time. 2012 could have been another time where I thought about fighting, but that was the first Metamorris and I had that opportunity and, uh, and I'll never regret doing Metamorris. It's it's amazing. It's huge uh, for my career. And, uh, and now two years later, here we are 2014, my school's in a great place. There's no ADCC this year. I have, I have my Muay Thai coach, um, here with me full time. And uh, mentally I was just very ready for it. I was just, you know, not that I was getting tired of Jiu-Jitsu, but man, I've been doing it for so long. Like I've done every world every year since 1999, except for one. So, you know, it's every year of my life since I was, you know, 15, 16 years old has been about chasing after a world title, uh, yeah. and, uh, and so, you know, I've just been doing it for a long time. I've gone against several generations of, of great black belts, you know, from the margaritas and Pechapanos to today's guys like, you know, Jackson Souza, who was probably 13 years old when I had won my black belt world title, you know? So, you know, I had gone against everybody and, uh, and I needed a new motivation. I needed a new spark. Everything felt right. I wanted it and it was just time. And that's why I signed to fight. And now I can feel it. I feel so hungry. You know, I'm giving so much of myself in all my training sessions and uh, I'm just doing everything I can to be the best I can be, um, you know, come fight night. And, uh, and it's just it's fun right now. It's pushing me in new ways. I'm, I'm, you know, mentally feeling a way I haven't felt in a while because in jiu-jitsu, I, I have so much experience. Like, you know, I, I know what to expect. I know, you know, I can go in and just do it. You know what I mean? I don't even, I mean, yeah, I have my training camps, but, I could jump into a jiu-jitsu tournament anytime, you know. Um, and you do and, uh, frequently. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, like, I, like, I like to compete as much as I can. But, you know, now I have this new feeling, and, and it's great, and it's pushing me hard. It's exactly what I needed, what I wanted. And, uh, and now I'm also, like I told you, I'm also even more motivated to go back into jiu-jitsu. So yeah. it, it, it's helping me both ways. So it's, it's perfect. I like hearing that. You know? Rafael, I got to ask this. So I know you're a visualization person. So take me to September 27th after you win. What happened? Um, I'm going to eat a lot of really bad food. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, one other thing that's really cool about the MMA fight, like I told you, um, you know, Solo and Shanchi, you know, are both going to be here in my corner. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's more of an event, you know, a jiu-jitsu tournament, you know what I mean? Like people have been watching me compete in jiu-jitsu tournaments forever. And, you know, I don't always have like all my close friends and family and all the, you know, they're not always there. Maybe they're watching the stream or they just get updates afterwards or whatever. But, you know, for this, um, you know, some of my, like my uh, instructors and my good friends and students from all over the world actually are coming to be there, you know, for my fights. 
um, my my good best friend since you know it's pretty much my brother. We've been best friends since we were like eight years old. Um, he's coming to to watch me fight, and so you know um, that makes it really cool. And you know it's just it's more of an event, you know, and uh, and you get you feel a lot more like support and love um, from people. I think um, with something like that, you know, and um, and so. You know, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be a special night. I'm going to have a lot of my, you know, uh, just family, you know, even though they're not all my family, but they're yeah, my family. Yeah, a lot of Lovato BJ. Fighters understand. We get the yeah. fight family. They're they're going to they're gonna be there, and I'm going to get to spend the whole weekend with them. You know, afterwards, the fight's on Friday, so Saturday, I'm sure we're all going to go out and just spend, spend the day together and, you know, have, you know, Great, steak, great, converse, great conversation. Yeah, lots of bad food and just have some fun. You know, it's going to be awesome. awesome. I've never, I've never had some of these people all together at the same time. So, um, it's it's going to be exciting. Well, Rafael Lovato Jr. He was nice enough to give us some time to talk to him about his upcoming MMA fight, his views on Metamoris, all things jujitsu. One of the pioneers of the sport. We love talking to him. Lovato BJJ in Oklahoma City is his school. You can hear him on the Save Jiu-Jitsu podcast. Strongly recommended. You can wear his gi from OTM, the signature lucky gi. And to my mother, who listens to the podcast, that's the gi I was talking about for Christmas. That's the one I wore. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, Lovato- got a, we got a new one. We got a blue one coming out uh, for the holidays. Oh, shit. And, and, I just got cool. a purple belt, so I'm going to stay white. I'm going to stay white for a while. <laughs> that's cool. And we're going to re-release the black one, too. So. Uh... Woo! It's a beautiful gi. It's a gorgeous gi. I'm a gi. Um, I get really geeked out over the gis, and <laughs> I can't get enough of the Lovato series. So this is a ringing endorsement. I'll uh, I'll post a video after I after I get to rolling it for a little while. Um, www.lovatojr.com. Without question, the gold standard for instructional websites. Any jujitsu practitioner knows about it. If you don't go, he posts. Videos that you can obviously purchase and you can see the whole program. He also posts just some teaser videos that are always mind-blowing. And I incorporate them into my game whenever I get a chance to. We want to thank you so much. Is there – did I leave anyone out? Did I miss anyone? Uh, No, not really. Um, You know, LovatoJr.com, that's kind of more my personal site. If you want to get more information about my videos and products, go to uh, LovatoBJJVideos.com. LovatoBJJVideos.com. And uh, I've been doing a lot of cool stuff on my Facebook and Instagram lately, even putting up little, uh, what I call instructograms. I think I'm the first one to, to use that hashtag instructogram. And so I'm trying to make that mine. And, uh, and so I've been putting up some instructograms and putting up some other cool clips, um, on my Instagram at Lovato junior BGJ on my Facebook page, Lovato junior fans.com. So people just follow me check everything out. I, I like to stay busy. I like to always be putting stuff out there. Yeah. You're um, great about social media. You're really great about it. Like just from yeah. a pure, we know when you're fighting, we know what you're up to. It's great. Cool. Awesome. I did hear that. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you again so much. Um, of course we'll be rooting for you. We're pretty biased. Our opinions are known and, uh, we're just on the edge of our seats to see you fight in MMA. I know the entire jujitsu community is buzzing about it and, uh, the MMA world will, they already know who you are. They're going to be looking out very shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, Rafael Lovato Jr. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on.
Raph, that interview only... We've already... So, quick sidebar. Raph and I have already been really excited about Lovato hitting the MMA cage. That interview made it significantly worse. Like, I want this fight to happen like, right now. Like, I want to watch. Patience. Patience, my friend. No. No. It's a 24-hour news cycle. I don't have patience anymore. <laughs> I want to see it. He sounds it, focused. He, he sounds, sounds very focused. And, uh, you know, it. it like I said... Raphael's always been a great friend of the podcast. Uh, I think the, one of the funniest things about him is he's had one of the most popular podcasts that we've we've ever done, and that it fell in the top ten. And we're like, "Hey, man, that was a great run!" And he just kind of goes, "Let's do it." Reposts the episode, and then it jumped back into our top ten. <laughs> so, like, dude is is synonymous with us for better or worse, uh, I guess. But he's always been great, always taking time to talk to us and, and be really cool with us. So, you know, we're, we're happy for the guy and we're just as curious as he is to see how he'll react. But I think for us, it, it's out of this great curiosity of knowing that he's got this great background. And if they did get to the floor, yikes. <laughs> that is not I, a good world to exist with Rafael Lovato. I was thinking about this. It's like, how pissed would you be if you're the average like MMA fighter and you're about to step in the cage? Like your fifth, sixth fight, you're still a pro, and all of a sudden you find out, oh, it's this world champion that's been tearing it up in this different genre's first fight in MMA. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, bookers. That's really helpful. I guess more than anything, I realize if I'm a fighter that – I tell people, I go, yeah, I'm going to work on my wrestling. I'll work on my stand-up. What's this guy do? Okay, strike all that. Everybody bring in every black belt you know. And then have them fight me at once. <laughs> and then let's see how I do. Uh, he's like so, calling Chael and He's like, what were you using? What were you doing? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. And, and we obviously have his back. And... Uh, I would say we wish him the best, but Kevin and I feel pretty strongly about it, and I, I think he's going to do good. I, I would like to see him him shock people and, and do something completely crazy and cool, but it sounds like he knows what his strengths are, and he's not being crazy about it. He's not telling you, like, hey, guys, watch out for this fucking knockout knee I'm throwing. Backflip like, to Dars. That's what he's Oh, my uh... God. That'd be amazing. I want right? to see that now, now that you mentioned that. Gymnastic. We should talk about gymnastic. Like high acrobatic submissions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next uh, next podcast. Hey, stay tuned, everybody. Find <laughs> us on Twitter at uh, VerbalTapCast, Facebook, Instagram at VerbalTapCast, VerbalTapCast.com. Of course, available for download on iTunes, which is probably where you are listening. If you're listening, just leave a little rating Five while star. you're doing it. Leave a little rating. Five Give us a little, uh, hey, here's how it's going. Maybe a few comments. That'd be great. That is going to do it for us tonight. Raph, it's time for shout-outs. I'll go first. Okay. BJJ Finder out there, centrally located out of BJJ MMA Academy in Chantilly. I'm shouting out one of our white belts, Brian, for being crazy athletic, very resilient. Um, and I don't think he listens to the podcast, so I'm going to guilt him with this little shout-out. <laughs> I think he's been... Uh, Making a ton of progress, making everyone better. And he's just one of those people that's cardio doesn't stop. He's like strong. I was about to say, I detected a little bit of, of anger about how yeah. good his cardio is. It's Well, I, I was, I've been super clear that I'm beating the hell out of him now because it's going to be – I know it's going to come to a tipping point like at his mm -hmm. progression level. So it's like I got to get these in now. Yeah. 
Yeah. That so. makes complete sense. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Eat the kid until he grows up bigger and stronger than you, and then... Uh-oh. I, yeah, I'm just saying when. It's not like I know it's going to happen, so I only have a finite amount of time. Um, my man, well, Wait, Rob, what's his name? Uh, Brian. Brian? Brian, do me a favor. If you ever need tips on how to quickly beat Kevin, I'm more than happy to give you those tips. <laughs> uh, not emotionally. Oh, no, I mean physically and or emotionally. Oh, okay. Like, okay. I, I've written a whole book right, on, like, like seven how to insults. take Kevin. <laughs> All of a sudden, if he said one, I'd know, just so you know. <laughs> I'd be like, that wasn't – that was written for you. That was... <laughs> I know where that came from. Um, Rob, one of our black belts, was sending me some pictures as he's building uh, – it looks like he's starting to get his mats down on his place because uh, he lives way out there. He just wants to be able to train where he is too, which is – Really super badass. Cheap, yeah. yeah, I'll uh, talk I saw more photos about it. of that, and that was. Oh, did you? Yeah, isn't awesome. it cool? It's awesome, yeah. right? Yeah, some really cool stuff. Uh, that's gonna do it for me, Raph. I'm headed back to Austin this week, so. Oof. I know. Oosh. Austin, well, Tex. give our best to Austin. Uh, but let's do this. I'll go ahead and shout out Valley Martial Arts Center. Never and turn down the volume when you put that out. Yeah, no problem. You're so loud sometimes. It's like, do you know how loud you are sometimes? Yes, I do. Okay. Actually, all right. People are. I just want to make sure. Clear. All right. On to better news. Uh, you know, guys, it's so great when you can go visit other gyms, but nobody beats me up quite like the people at home. Hmm. It's uh, you know, Kev. I went to Open Mat. I just got back from there, and uh, it was such a good Open Mat. I went to the Chipotle here. And I opened the door, and I swear to God, this door felt like it weighed a thousand pounds. <laughs> and it was, was so embarrassing for the people going. behind me because I'm just struggling to open this door. They're looking at me like, "God, what a weakling!" And I was like, "You don't know where I've been. <laughs> shut up. You shut up now. I just, I'm tired. Shut up." Uh, but shut anyway, up. shout out to everybody there. And uh, let's go ahead and shout out uh, Alex Perez. Alex came back. I haven't rolled with him in a long time. Dude is always a great role, always great uh, to learn from. But the best thing he did is he he's trying to sink in this rear naked choke. And it's that thing where he's breaking your jaw and he feels really bad about doing it. And I just tell him, like, dude, it's – I don't know. What do you want me to say? Don't choke me. Not going to be able to say much while he's cranking on your jaw. Oh, you really don't. No, no. This is post all of that, of course. Yeah. But he's like, he feels really bad. I'm like, it's what happens. It's part of the game. But I will say on the opposite side, Kev, Kev, Kev and I talked a little bit about this off air. But have you guys had this happen to you? We've we've talked about the fact that somebody mid-roll told me, hey, Raph, your gi smells really great. It was also the way they said it. That yes, of like, course. It was a very meaningful comment. Compliment. Right. It's in the middle of north south and you just go i was about to sink in a submission but i guess i'm not going to do that now uh but i had a similar experience last week where uh we had a whole bunch of people come to our gym and it was a lot of fun and we're rolling and i'm attacking an arm and all of a sudden you hear somebody say the following oh come on raf not that arm i need that to jerk off and i don't know what you do in those moments I'm starting to wonder now if people are just playing me as part of their offensive game. Or I do you, love this, I don't know. by the way. I think it's genius. I told you I've been trying to, like, crack jokes at people. Where it's like, if you... I'm, 
uh, right before we go, it's like, hey, loser dies, and then you bump hands and just see if you could get like if you can get a sweep in while they're laughing about that. I love this idea for that one specifically. It's like Braff, not the arm, uh, and it also could be you. They could be, they could be really trying to like they're like he is a comedian. So maybe I it's personal, that. but uh, like. That's fine. And I, to be fair, I let the arm go because, you know, shit. How do you not? Yeah. Then you really feel like a fucking asshole if you break <laughs> the arm. He appealed to man, you as a good. person. You know? That's right. Um, but let's say this, Kevin. <clears throat> other guys, other people. Yeah, totally cool. Not a problem. Funny. No big deal. I can almost guarantee you, if you are rolling with me and you're trying to try, you know, crack a joke, have you thought about the opposite? Have you thought about me dead-facing and not even giving you any acknowledgement? And the fact that that will probably give me a better advantage. Ooh, no. Um, okay. Oh, no, I hadn't. Yeah, I need that. I need people. La- you know I need that. If I tell, like, it, it would only happen if I just, oh, sorry, I'm having, like, flashback to forensics coaching all of a sudden. Yeah, you would be <laughs> a tough person because if I thought it was a good joke and that you should be laughing, mm. there's a strong chance it, it's like when you miss a submission, I might be like completely paralyzed with it. It's all of a yep. sudden, you're in my side control. You're like staring yep. my arm and hitting me with it. I'm like, what the fuck? Why aren't you laughing, you heartless <laughs> monster? You, you dickhead. You know how much I've been working on this bit. Like That's a funny If there's joke. one thing that we've learned about Kevin on this show, it's that he's very much like Tinkerbell. And the less you believe in him, the worse he'll do. So, Yeah. <laughs> You could definitely destroy him. And the best part is I had kind of floated the idea by Kevin. And I just go, well, just imagine me not responding to any of your jokes. And Kevin's response was, oh, like, that's hard to do. Well, yeah. Let me just see if I can summons up the will to imagine you not (laughs) laughing at me. It was like, yeah, verbal tap listeners are all like, "Um, that's not going to be much of a stretch. They uh, can hear all of a sudden like 30 clips are playing in my head where it's like, Kevin, that's not funny. I'm not laughing. <laughs> Raph, are you being silent out of protest? Yes. That's a... <laughs> so, uh, yes, my thanks to all the good people and to that person. I won't, I won't put them on blast, but that was really, really funny. And uh, I'm just going to say this. To every move, there is a counter move, and that works the same with comedy and jokes. So know that going forward, everybody, and especially you, Kevin. Uh, but, <laughs> you're not gonna uh, no, give me the details. You're just gonna leave it at that meta. God damn it! I'm. Well, I mean, Kev. I mean, you know, play at risk. You know, it's it's at your own risk if you want to try and make a joke at me. That's fine. List the counters. I was about ready to write some shit down. That's fine. Yeah. No. 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 No more counters. That's all I give. That's that's the life lesson I've got for people today. So <laughs> we'll go ahead and shout out those folks, and uh, let's shout out Paul Moran. Really good rolling with you. You're a good friend, except that you're a terrible human being. And uh, to everybody else, Brent Berniston, who is giving me some great, great tips this week. Uh, Simgo, all the great people at Cobra Kai again. Thank you guys so, so much. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, you make it always feel great when I'm in Vegas that uh, part of my, my trips that are so great are really going out and training out in new places like that. So thanks, everybody. And thanks, everybody, back at VMAC at home. Felt great. Can't wait to go Pax train some more. Gee. Pax is gee first. That's right. All the time. I like those photos. That's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and go Lovato.